somebody is back this week and it is blue chew this episode is sponsored by blue chew they bring you the first chewable with the same active ingredients as viagra and cialis blue chew is made in the good old us of a it is prescribed online by a licensed physician so you don't have to go to the doctor or wait in line it is cheaper than a pharmacy and they prepare and ship it right to you in a discreet package no awkwardness and you don't need to leave the house it's great so go to bluechew.com get your first shipment free when you use the special promo code it's going to be a new one dr tom and just pay five dollars shipping again that's b-l-u-e-q.com promo code dr tom to try it for free blue chew remember they are better a cheaper choice and we like to thank them for sponsoring the show remember you, you can obviously uh, support us by supporting them you can help make this podcast grow even more by going to a bluechew.com again make sure you use the promo code dr tom and of course one more time bluechew.com dr tom you gotta love blue chew Oh, I, I do. I, I've tried it before, and uh, especially when they were one of our sponsors. And uh, it, it is a great product. Uh, so I, I enjoyed it myself. Let me just say that. I, I don't know how far I can really uh, stress uh, about Blue Chew. But, but, yeah, great product. Try it out, and you get a free opportunity when you contact them. So, yeah. Yes. Fantastic. I and just that's D-R-T-O-M, Dr. Tom. Pretty simple. Bluechew.com, a free, uh, free product. $5 shipping. So very, very good stuff there from a blue chew. The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. Welcome to Take You to School with Dr. Tom Pritchard. I'm your co-host, J.P. John Paz from the two-man power trip. And of course, joining me is the star of the show, the former WWE World Tag Team Champion, the former eight-time Smoky Mountain Wrestling Tag Team Champion, and one of the greatest trainers in the history of the business, the man that trained The Rock, Kurt Angle, Vince McMahon, Shane McMahon, Mark Henry, Edge, and so many others, the Dr. Desire, Tom Pritchard. Dr. Tom, how are you doing today? John, I'm doing great today. I'm doing great tonight. And as always, it is a beautiful night in Knoxville, Tennessee. So how could I not be good? Nice. I look great now that I have this JPWA shirt on. You got yours on. I love it. Yeah, what a wonderful shirt, man. It's it's, uh, promoting and helping promote. And a lot of people ask me why I wear this all the time. It's called self-promotion. If you don't do it, nobody else will. Or it's better to do it yourself, too, I think. And I, that's that was how it was done in the old days. And I'm going to continue some of those traditions uh, on and on. Nice shirt. Nice look. I love it. Thank you uh, so much for the shirt. I love it. I love it. Uh, cool. you got to support the team. You know what I mean? You yeah. You just have to. 
Um, by all means, I appreciate it. Any support I can get, any support we can get. How about that? Yes. Now, what's going on at JPWA? How's everything going? Everything is going great, man. We're in the, we just finished up the sixth week. We have some visitors coming in tomorrow from uh, Altoona, Pennsylvania. Looking forward to that. And uh, keep rolling on along. That's all we can do. Uh, the business keeps changing. People keep changing. People keep uh, making comments and, and saying whatever they're going to say. But i got to tell you, real quick, take the side road here. I watched Ricky Gervais. Uh, last night, Humanity on Netflix, and, and I don't watch a lot of Netflix, but we were just shopping around last night, and uh, my wife said, stop, wait, let's, let's see what Ricky Gervais is about. And it was a stand-up act. It was it was so apropos uh, hitting uh, social media and how people are offended about the littlest things. If if you say one thing that about, they expect you to, to, to cowtown down to their uh, opinion. And, and whereas we all used to have our opinions and um, they were, they were graded with either. Well, that's your opinion. And I agree or I don't agree, but now, boy, you get lambasted with social media and, and you, there is no winning. It's like putting your head in a wood chipper, Facebook, uh, Twitter, all that stuff. But I thought it was, thought it was very apropos, especially for, uh, for the wrestling business, and, and it's a lesson for a lot of people to learn. You don't want to uh, pay the price of uh, people bashing over the head. Don't go on Twitter. Just be careful what you say. And even then, people are going to find something with it. So with self-promotion, I'm going to promote everywhere, every time I get the chance uh, for JPWA. I saw Ricky Gervais, New York City, the uh, Paramount Theater, or whatever you want to call it, the, the a theater adjacent to Madison Square Garden. Sold out show. Very, very funny. Obviously, he's not very politically correct in a lot of the stuff. Uh, he was drinking the entire time, which is just funny and, and kind of, you know, whatever. But it's one of those things, I guess, it's a part of the act. Now, he always, he's always got a drink with him when he's right. when he when he's uh, performing. But he was great. He was hilarious. Ron White always has a drink with him when he was performing. Uh -huh. So, I mean, a lot of guys do. And then, but, yeah, I thought he was great. Uh, if, if you saw him live, I love live performances. We used to go to a great uh, – uh, comedy club in Tampa, and then he had one up here in Knoxville. And and thanks to <laughs> thanks to COVID, it, it kind of screwed everybody up. But yeah, I, uh, what what a great great act, great uh, show last night. And uh, you're right, he's not politically correct, and and I can appreciate that. And, and and at the end of his act, I don't know if he says it every act, but he says, "Hey, look, if if something sounds funny to you, say it. Win, lose, or draw." Uh, and he explained where he got it from, from his older brother. So, yeah, I, th I thought it was it was very, very entertaining. I had a good time watching last night, actually. He was very controversial to some people, but I, me and my brother thought it was hilarious. He was saying that fat women always say, like, oh, if I was skinnier, I'd be hot. And then Ricky Gervais was like, "No, you wouldn't. You're you're still ugly, no matter what. I don't I don't want to hear that. If you're skinnier, you'd be hot. You're fat. You're ugly. Like it just very very funny, really abrasive type humor. Well, and but but there is a method to his madness, and and there again, he was telling stories, and it all came back around, and and it was. Uh, it, I I always look at at the act, and I I listen to it, and I look at how it is structured, and and a lot of it is uh, certainly feeling of improvisation, but, but you have to have two hours or an hour and a half, however long you're on, uh, on stage uh, worth of material. 
And it's, it's the exact same thing. Uh, when you do a match or, or cutting a promo, whatever it may be, you have to know uh, that what you're saying is, is connecting with your audience. And obviously, there's an audience for that. And uh, you just got to find out what your audience hits. And, and yeah, it was, it was very entertaining. Uh, I've heard him on another, I've heard him on other shows and other places, but I don't watch a lot of uh, uh, sitcoms or I don't watch a lot of those award shows, <laughs> but I've seen Ricky Gervais and I thought this, this guy uh, gets it. And you're right. It, it, it's not, everybody's going to get it. And he's very, he can be very abrasive and you have to have an open mind and you got to, uh, Got to understand, it's it appeals to to this audience, and just because you don't like it doesn't make it right. So that's all. And and and, and the same thing about professional wrestling. And I I said something. I wrote something real quick. Yes, I think it was yeah last night uh, about after after I watched it, and I and I said I remember when this was a rough. Uh, politically incorrect business. And a lot of the stuff that the great Malenko or Johnny Valentine, Jose Lothario, Terry Funk, oh my gosh, Terry Funk, you couldn't say today because someone would be offended somewhere. And somebody wrote back saying, well, I agree. We do things that you guys did and they started changing the channel. First of all, they got to start watching again. So maybe if you did some of the stuff the old timers did or the old school did, maybe you updated it. It might get eyes on you. But but I just knew there was going to be somebody that said, yeah, but. And, and, it, and it proved my point. So we're living in bizarro land. Um, I used to like living there, but now it's even getting weird for me. Yes, for sure. Just want to bring this one point up about Ricky Gervais. I still remember his ending his ending joke. He basically was saying that he, he was in his um, hotel room and he had seen a milk carton with a girl's picture on it. And, you know, on the milk carton, she's missing. It's smiling and stuff. It's like, oh, that's interesting. He's like, the girl's missing. Oh, you know, that's sad. And he's looking at the picture. She, I think she said she was like 13 uh, smiling face, it, you know, description of her and saying that she had a family and the number to call to find her and stuff. So as he's leaving the, the hotel room, he looks out the window and he sees a girl in the, in the next like hotel or whatever it is, the next building. And he sees it. He's like, Oh my God, it, it almost looks like that milk card that I had back in the room. It almost looks. So he went, goes back, he gets the milk card and wants to look at the girl's face. And he's looking, he's like, man, that kind of looks like her. It looks like her. Ah, that girl over there, she's not smiling, though. Can't be her. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. it's just observational comedy as well yeah. as just, uh, you know, putting your touch on it. And, uh, yeah, yeah. He, he did a bit about kids last night, too, that was a little a little over the line. But but there again, you know, it's, it's, it, it, it's in the realm of comedy. It's in the realm of, hey, man, let's loosen up a little bit and, and let's uh, – Let's get through the darkness and put a little, a little uh, smile on it while we can, if you can, if you're capable. Of course, he told that joke a lot better than I did, and of course, he, he drew it out a little bit more and stuff. I mean, but it's really, really good. I still remember that. He just yeah. uh, so funny. And then him at those like award shows and those awards somewhere, he's great because he'll be like Tom Cruise, you complete psychopath. You know, he'll just go right after the guys. He won't 
sugarcoat it at all. He did, he did a deal about Bruce Jenner last night, too, which is oh. exactly what you, you do. And he said people were missing the point of the joke. It wasn't about I was making a transgender joke. I was making fun of women drivers. And, <laughs> and it just came right back around. You know, he said, no, you're missing the point. Even though Bruce Jenner was a man, now he's not. He's, he's, he, and when it turns into a woman, I mean, okay, it wasn't saying that. But it's true he did. or something. It, it just... Because people want to want to want to be so sensitive about these sensitive topics that nobody should touch. Although there's a bit of humor there, and man, yeah, we're we're it's 2021, and uh, I'm glad to be here. I, I don't know if you're familiar with Jim Florentine. He's another uh, funny comedian. No, right, uh, I might, but. He's good. He's got a good bit uh, from a couple of years ago. It's like basically a wrestling bit, and it's he. It's like a legit story. He used to go to the matches and stuff, and this creepy guy who was a quote unquote photographer would have pictures of the wrestlers. So he'd have like Chief J Strongbow picture of him. He goes, "If you sit on my lap, I'll I'll give you a Chief J Strongbow picture." So he goes, <laughs> "Oh, he goes." So all me and my friends just sit on this guy's lap all day long, <laughs> just like uh. funny, like creepy stuff. But he said he was such a big fan. That he said the story is legitimately true. It's creepy that they knew like child molester type guy would like give them pictures just to hang out with them. And they knew what he was all about, but they just wanted the pictures. And he was yeah, how old he was, like 13 or something. Yeah, and and, and, and once again, I mean, for any I'm I'm gonna man, I'm going way in the forest for this one. But but there there's there was a lot of uh uh stuff going on even and even today. You know, people who, hey, uh, hang out, who used to hang out at the wrestling matches and you would see them and you'd know them. And, and just by virtue of the fact that you like professional wrestling. Um, and, and I mean that with all due respect, because I grew up loving professional wrestling. So I'm, I'm putting myself in that category, man. You're, in a, you're a special group, especially when you grew up in the, in the 60s and 70s watching and, and falling in love with this stuff uh, called professional wrestling. Today... Uh, it, it was just, it was the thing to do. It was the end thing. In my day, it wasn't. You were an, you were an outcast. You were an outlaw. But, but then you found those same outlaws uh, who felt the same way you did. And some of them, uh, you know, might not have been very fond of bathing or might have taken a bath once a week whether they needed to or not or might have washed their clothes every other month whether they needed to or not, you know. And, and I get that. You know, there, there were some odd characters around. But once again, um, it wasn't for everybody, and I still contend that it's not for everybody, and and that's okay. I'm okay with doing that. I'm okay with being that that outcast, that outsider. I always have been. I think I, at this stage of my life, I'm not changing. So, yeah, I, and I love that. And you're, you're you're almost like an outlaw right now, which I love. I love uh, it. You're, uh, yeah, I don't think I've anything. I don't think I've been anything but an outlaw. And I've even when I've tried to walk that line and stay on the right side of the law, by God, if I saw an injustice happening in a in an establishment where I happen to be frequenting or or passing by, I might just stop on in and do what I think is right. I don't know. I don't know. It started on Ricky Gervais, and, and we just got off on the uh, the craziness in this world. Not to mention professional wrestling, which continues to this day. I might say. Yes, 
Absolutely. And what the topic at hand is today and what I wanted to talk to you about was the new Yokozuna documentary on the WWE Network, WWE Icons Yokozuna. And they have a, a bunch of icons coming out as far as documentaries, the part of that series. I think it looks like Lex Luger is going to be a part of it. It looks like uh, who the heck else? Rob Van Dam was a part of it. So you got a couple. But the first one to start off with was uh, Yokozuna. So what would you think about this? I know you did check it out. I, I did check it out, and uh, I, of course, WWE does those kind of things just great. They have a great team. They have a great, uh, a great feel for stuff like that. And this one was no different. And uh, I, I thought it told a pretty good story of where Yokozuna fit when he came in, and uh, and when he left. And I, I knew Yoko when he was Coquina in Pensacola, you know, before he, he uh, obviously went to WWE. But but this was when he was just starting out. And, you know, when they said he either liked you, if he liked you, you were golden. If he didn't, get out of his way. True. That was true. But that was true with most of the guys who uh, were Samoan at that time. And it started with Maivia, Peter Maivia. Uh, who I, I, I had the opportunity to meet, by the way, in L.A. just briefly. But uh, you could tell he carried respect with him wherever he went. And then I went to Japan from L.A. My first Japanese tour was with uh, Afa and Sika. So it was when I met Kokina in uh, Rodney in Pensacola, I, I had already had a relationship and uh, with with my via and and alpha and sika and and so it was only natural to to get along with him too and he was one of the guys that my god was all those guys are naturals all those guys have a uh inbred respect and uh you know you you give respect you earn respect and then you get respect and that's how they lived and that that's how Rodney was too. That's how uh, he came about. And um, I worked with him a couple times. And you, you got to be careful when you're working with big guys like that if they don't know what they're doing. But the key was he knew what he was doing, and he was a pro from day one. And he just had that talent, natural ability to go out there and move like a cruiserweight, move like a guy that was uh, 200 pounds and never hurt you. That's the key to this. That's what a lot of people don't understand. Uh, they think you have to go out and just knock the living hell out of each other. Well, no, you make it look that way, but you don't. And yes, well, you have to lay it in and it is solid. Uh, there's a difference between stiff and solid and Rodney was always solid, but, but never hurt, never hurt me. I'm sure he might've, uh, landed on a couple people he didn't care about, but, uh, as far as I was concerned, he was uh, he was great in the ring, and he was great outside the ring too. Uh, I saw the near the end of uh, the Icon uh, uh, documentary. He he was working in the ring with Draws, and I was there. I think I was the one filming it from uh, in the studio that day because he was staying at the Holiday Inn in downtown Stanford. Uh, my apartment in downtown Stanford was directly across the street from the Stanford Mall, and it was not even a block 
away from Holiday Inn. So I would walk over to Rodney's apartment, Rodney's uh, hotel, uh, and come up and we would hang out. Uh, it was easier for me to come to him than him to go to me because I could just leave and walk and he could just, I could leave and go to bed. So, you know, it was, uh, he had a, he had a very interesting life, great career. And I don't think he ever lost sight, um, until the end when, when, you know, come to find out the weight was, was becoming a bigger and bigger problem for him. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't even begin to know how to tell somebody that uh, uh, this is the, the biggest thing that got you over is the biggest thing that's now holding you down. How do you, how do you say that? And I think a couple of people even said that in the documentary. Um, how do you do that? It's, it's a tough call. It's a tough way to do it. But, but I know WWE tried a few different ways. So, uh, I don't know, man. It was, it was, there were, there were some uncomfortable scenes to watch, but at the same time, I thought they did a very good job of, uh, honoring Yokozuna. I love the honesty too. Like, you know, sometimes documentaries, sometimes they don't say the ups and the downs, or sometimes you hide some stuff. I feel like they were very honest about a lot of the things like his weight problem, him sneaking food in them, sending him to Duke, it not working, although they thought it would be a fix because he found somebody down there to sneak him food. It's like, man, like it was good to get like all that honesty and, and everything that was going on. Well, once again, you know, I, if, if those of us who are perfect, and never had a problem in the world. Uh, find it hard to understand when, you know, uh, being overweight or having a food addiction, a gambling addiction, whatever your addiction might be, drugs, sex, whatever it is, if you've never had any kind of malady or, or addiction, it's easy for you to say, oh, yeah, just stop eating. Oh, I can't understand. Why can't you do that? Just stop eating. Yeah, okay. Well, that's like telling a manic depressant, just cheer up. It doesn't right. work like that. You know, there, this is a disease. And uh, when you've done something your whole life, and I think uh, especially overeating, being conditioned uh, to be one way and, and getting over with this huge weight, this is his, – uh, larger than life uh body and, and his larger than life persona I, I, it, I don't think anybody can understand you can't just shut it off and it's not something that just you 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 just simply dismiss and say oh yeah just stop eating even if they have you in uh um where was it north carolina duke duke okay even if you're at a hospital even if they have something that's going to help you i mean if if you don't, if you're not programmed and, and, and you're not uh, ready, then you're not going to do it, no matter what. If you're not ready to stop your habits and, and ways of life, you're not going to do it. It has to come to a realization, I think, to the person uh, that it's happening for. Uh, and again, people with, who, who have not been through these uh, episodes or these um little escapades and experiences and then they don't understand. But I, I, I could see, especially 
when he was in Stanford for the time that he came to get in the ring with us, I, I knew he was there to get back in shape. I knew we were there to uh, get him in the ring and do what we had to do. But at the same time, um, I don't think at that time when he came to us in Stanford that it was uh, already going over the red line where we needed to really say, hey, hold on, this is a lot more serious. Uh, and therefore, uh, I didn't see it. So I guess it was, God, that had to be 97 or whenever it was, but, but 97, 98, whenever he was there. And so if you don't see something and you don't want to accept it, then you're going to keep doing what you're doing until you figure it out until you figure, wait a minute, I can't do this anymore. And, uh, I don't know if that ever happened with Rodney. I don't know if he ever really wanted to wanted to confront it and wanted to see it. But I tell you this, he was that guy you wanted to have in the locker room. He was that guy you wanted to have on the card. He was that guy you wanted to have on your side. Uh, real quick story, I, you know, I I didn't go out a lot um, in my WWE days. I did go out occasionally, and there was one time in Tampa where I went to uh, a place, an establishment called the Dollhouse with uh, Taker and Yoko. And we were sitting there at the bar. And I'm, I'm, not, a, I'm not a good uh, uh, shot guy either. You know, I'm here to have a shot. Oh, man. And it, it, but that was, uh, that was the Undertaker's deal. That was Yoko's deal. So they brought the four rounds of shot, uh, Jack, Jack Daniel, uh, six rounds, two apiece. And I drank the first one, and I was wearing one of those uh, uh, T. Michael gym shirts or whatever, real loose-fitting shirt at the bar. Uh, <laughs> and all of a sudden, I took the shot of Jack and went right down my shirt, went right through the shirt, right to the floor. <laughs> and uh, it was pretty embarrassing, man. It was it was not good. But, but that's, you know, I, I knew I couldn't hang with those guys, but but I was making a valiant attempt, but nobody ever said anything about it. Yoko checked on me, Mark checked on me, everything was good. Uh, we continued on, but you know, it was that that kind of business too, where that's how you spent your nights, that's how you spent your days uh, on the road to the town, to the building, whatever it is, and different culture, different business, different time and place. Um, so. Why? Why would why would Yoko change if he felt everything was okay? I can understand his mindset. Uh, looking back now, you know, obviously he should have taken it more seriously, but uh, he didn't, and uh, obviously paid the price. So it's one of those things where, man, it, it seems so obvious to us, but to the person, or especially to him, it's not so obvious, and. That's you're right. That's what kind of made his career being Yokozuna, being a big guy, got him a skyrocket of, of a push, you know, got him the WWF title, be and basically ended Hulkamania in the WWF for an extended period of time. So it's one of those things where, yes, to lose weight, but that was the kind of the reason why he got the huge push, right? And and once again, it it is a tough spot to be in, even with all the history, uh that we've been through in this business and been through with our friends uh, and family and things like this. Um, 
you you sometimes really can't see the forest through the trees. You're, you're right in the middle of it, and and you don't want any harm to come to that person. But really, it it is up to that person. And sometimes it, all it takes is one person, one, one friend to come and say, hey, look, man, uh, maybe it's time you, you slowed down or maybe it's time you you, you checked in and uh, got some help for your weight. But nobody really wants to be that, that guy because uh, it's hard. It, it's a difficult thing. I think it's probably easier today for people because of all the history and because of all the the tragedy and, and, and chaos has been left in the wake, <laughs> not just in wrestling, but the entertainment business and in life altogether. You, you see some people who you don't even know they're struggling and uh, uh, you can see it or other people can see it, uh, but they can't. And they don't want to, they don't want to admit weakness, I guess. And that's, that's kind of what I took away from Yoko because Never at any time did I ever see him uh, uh, not be a good guy, not be uh, happy and, and having fun with what he was doing. And I guess the attitude was then, uh, you know, I think until it became so obvious that he was growing out of his gear, his tights, you know, growing out of uh, – uh, everything and, and breaking, you know, sitting down on the, the, the toilet in, in, in Pittsburgh, you know what I mean? Then, then, you know, you have, you have things you can point to and say, look, we love you. We don't want you to hurt yourself. We don't want you to die. You have grown 20 inches out of your gear. You, you've, you, it's not healthy. It's the, it's, it's putting fluid weight on your heart and that, that can't help. So, but, but that, that person has to be receptive and sometimes you'll get defensive and sometimes you'll get receptive. And, uh, I don't know, man, it's, uh, yeah, I, I had mixed emotions watching it, watching, uh, the documentary. It's very well put together, but then you start remembering, uh, and looking back and saying, my God, man, how was he making it? Having, having to get on the planes every day and ha making the towns. And, and he never bitched or complained. And I always remember being uh, being the same guy I knew from the beginning. Never big dog to anybody. And I uh, can't say that about all the guys that went in there and, and became top names. But this guy did. And uh, so what do you say to somebody like that? Hey, man, you need to fix you? I don't need to be fixed. Okay. So – it, it's it's a touchy thing, man. It's crazy, and, and I think a lot of families have been through it, and a lot of friends have been through it. How big was he in Pensacola when you met him? Was he four hundred pounds at that point, or no? I don't think he was four hundred. He was every bit of three. He he was a lot slimmer than he was, but he was a big man, and he moved. Gosh, uh, he 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 might have been about the size. Of Jacob fought too, and I don't think Jacob's four hundred yet, is he? Not or quite. No. Okay, but he was around. He looked a lot like Jacob because when I saw the first time I saw Jacob fought too, he reminded me a lot of the early days of uh, Yokozuna of, of of Kokina. You know when I saw him, and and it's just a, those guys have that 
gene pool, whatever's in the water, whatever makes these guys so fantastic and so natural, uh, it, it really is uh, a family pride thing with the Samoans. And uh, none of them want want to fail or, or embarrass the family. So they go out and they, they love this business. And, you know, I've known Sam too. Sam uh, and I wrecked my car coming from Birmingham to, to Pensacola many, many years ago, my, almost 40 years ago. And he's never forgot that. I've never forgot that. That's a whole story in itself, man, that happened. We, we, wrecked, we wrecked my car, went off the road. Long story short, these people picked us up, a guy and a girl. Never seen us before in our lives. As soon as I ran into a car on the side of the road, on the freeway, ask me how that happened, and I won't tell you. But anyway, <laughs> uh, we were, and this girl and, and her boyfriend stopped to make sure we're okay. We're okay, good, go ahead. The cops came, and these guys got back on the freeway, circled around, came back to see if we needed help. Now I'm 22 years old, um, had a shot coming out from Atlanta, worked Birmingham Monday night. We're going uh, down to Pensacola, stay with Sam and Alpha and everybody, and gonna work out of there for the week, then go back to Atlanta. Actually, Alpha was in Atlanta, Alpha and Seeker were in Atlanta. We're gonna stay with whoever it was, maybe just uh, his mom, Sam's mom. And uh, they came back and never seen us before in their lives. And Sam's this big Samoan kid, and I am this stupid-looking midget. And um, they they offered to take us to the Birmingham airport to get us a car. It was closed. So this girl and guy who've never seen us before in their lives took us to their apartment and let us sleep there that night take a shower next morning, took us to the airport, got a rental car. And I said, man, I want your address. I want to send them something nice when I get back to Atlanta. Get back to Atlanta after the week. Don't think anything about it. Never see him again in my life. Five years later, I'm in Birmingham, Alabama at the Radisson, ladies night. And we were staying over and I'm in the bar. Girls eyeballing me and I'm looking, I catch her eye and I'm thinking, oh, of course she knows, man. We just worked down here at the Boutwell. Of course she knows, yeah. She walks over to me, nice looking girl, comes up to me and says, excuse me, are you a wrestler? Well, yes, I am. Did you wreck your car here about five years ago? Oh, my God. Yeah, that was me and my boyfriend picked you up. I thought you looked familiar. And I looked nothing like I looked back then. So you never know that, too. I mean, that, that would never happen in a million years. We, we usually didn't stay over in Birmingham. Uh, we, we happened to stay over because we had a shot that way and it was ladies night and sitting in the bar. So you never know who you're going to cross paths with and you never know who, when you're going to see them again. So that goes with, you know, be careful on the way up because you're going to see them on the way down. Yes. That's a true story. I mean, it, it, people can tell us that all day long. And I, I said the same thing. Oh, yeah, right. Never happened. Yeah, it happened. Trust me, it may not happen to you. It may not happen to you yet, but there will come a time when uh, <laughs> deja vu or whatever you want to call it, man, is just just be nice to everybody and uh, know that karma is a bitch. 
The new sponsor is Lucy. Lucy Nicotine is a company founded by Caltech scientists and former smokers looking for a better and cleaner nicotine alternative made for people, not patients. So Lucy has created a nicotine gum with four milligrams of nicotine, and it comes in three great flavors, wintergreen, cinnamon, and pomegranate. Also, the lozenge as well in cherry ice flavor. Well, you can go to Lucy.co, that is Lucy.co, and use the promo code Dr. Tom to get 20% off all products, including gum and lozenges. That's Lucy.co. Use the promo code Dr. Tom at checkout. Also, have to give this disclaimer warning this product contains nicotine derived from tobacco. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. So Lucy.co, make sure to use the promo code Dr. Tom, that's D-R-T-O-M. And I have some of the uh, cinnamon pomegranate. My brother-in-law, I'm not a smoker either, but I gave it to my brother-in-law who's a big smoker. He loves it because basically his wife and, and he's got two little kids were basically saying, Yo, you got you gotta yeah. stop you gotta stop smoking. You stink. You got and, and when he would go out and smoke, it was kind of embarrassing. They wouldn't let him smoke in the house. So he'd have to go around the corner smoke and kind of hide you know from everybody come back in uh use the cologne or whatever and stink so he's saying this is great because first of all the kids don't even realize they think he's chewing regular gum so he was saying he absolutely loves it just for the fact that it's kind of one of those things where they don't know he's doing it but yeah there you go lucy so you know i just think it's awesome too because his wife's happy and his kids are happy he's not smoking (laughs) smoking right now it's helpful for everybody not only him but for his family a lot more healthy for you as well. So, I mean, if you, if you need a nicotine rush or need a nicotine fix, man, chew the gum. It does have a lot of cool flavors. Pomegranate and wintergreen and uh, cinnamon aren't bad at all. Yeah, if, if you do smoke, try this. Check it out. You won't be uh, looked at like you have four eyeballs coming out of your head. Awesome stuff from Lucy. So, for all you taking to school with Dr. Tom, our listeners go to lucy.co. Use the promo code Dr. Tom. For 20% off all products, including gum and lozenges. Did the boyfriend still, was she still with the boyfriend? Or Yeah, yeah, she actually was. I did actually. She wasn't there that night. But I asked her if they were still together. I said, yes, they were. And they, she was just out with the girls having, having a drink. I thought, wow. that's. And I told her, I said, I, I had all intentions of sending you a very nice gift and a thank you card. And I just said to hell with it. And I'm so sorry, but thank you so much. And she laughed. She was nice, but but I never thought I'd see him again, ever, ever. How would that happen? It doesn't. Oh yeah, it does. So, did you buy her a drink that night at least? I don't think I did. I think she went oh. back to her girls. No, I, yeah, yeah. I don't think I did. Damn it. Yeah, that is, that is crazy. And uh, it's interesting to know all those guys were down there in that area for, for longer than you would think the Samoans, because you always think of Northeast and they're always working in the Northeast, but they were down in Pensacola and, and that area a lot. Well, once again, uh, if you've ever, have you ever been, let me ask you this first. Have you ever been to Pensacola? No, never have. Okay. Well, Pensacola is a, uh, has, has a, um, is it a Navy base? I think it's a Navy base. It has a, it's a military base there. I, I'm pretty sure it's Navy it might be air force. I'm not sure. And the beach is really, really nice. It's a white beach, beautiful, beautiful sand. And for me, uh, it's different than Miami. People call Pensacola the redneck Riviera. 
you know, Miami's a little more upscale, a little more high class, a little more high end. Anyway, I don't know if it's high class, but and I'm sure it is. And, and high end. But Pensacola is more of a uh, uh, good uh, down home field. It's a redneck field, no doubt about it. But but it's a it was a lot of fun, and a lot of those guys settled there because the weather's beautiful, the beach is beautiful, and you were ten minutes. Uh, to the gym, another 10 minutes to the beach and where I lived, you know, 10 minutes to the gym. Then from the gym, you go right to the beach. You didn't have to leave till three o'clock in the afternoon. Great trips home the, the very same night. You rarely did you have a stayover and beautiful women, beautiful palm trees, just beautiful weather all the way around. And, uh, I, I loved it. I was single. I was having a blast. And, uh, I think that's why the guys like Afu and Sika, when they went down that way, worked in that territory, found the environment inviting. And uh, that's why they stayed there. It, it, it was affordable. And, uh, man, you could have a pool in your backyard, stay out all day, and then go to the show. So Jerry Stubbs had a beautiful house in Pensacola, and a beautiful pool. And we would go to his house on a regular basis. And uh, before I got my condo, we we would hang out at Jerry's house. So uh, it was it was really a fun place to live. And that's why a lot of the guys are still from there. You know, the Uso still live there. And uh, I believe uh, uh, Brian Armstrong, Road Dog, still lives in Jay, Florida, which isn't that far out of Pensacola. It's right in that southeastern uh part the panhandle there so it, it is a very nice place to live and i was i was looking forward to spending the uh the week there but but obviously other plans took place my buddy lives in orlando for like the last 20 something years and i've been down there at least 20 something times so i just make an excuse to go down there every year i love it love it down there the weather is just perfect for me anyway i just love yeah it. orlando's orlando's a good place nice place but it's not pensacola it's a, it's a different vibe yeah. it's certainly yeah, a different vibe man Oh, I can, I believe it. As far as Yoko and kind of knowing him then, but in WWF, when you kind of get brought in with the Smoky Mountain, does he remember like the, their history together? Oh yeah, or, oh yeah, 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 yeah. No, he he was that guy, man, because we we had history together in Pensacola and Birmingham. Uh, so so we we did know each other in in that place. I mean, we we were social, and and and. Uh, in, in some of the same social uh, circles or instances. And of course he did. And that, that's what made it even better. Uh, and of course we knew that when we came in with Jimmy, not uh, Cornette, that it, it only made sense for them, a spokesman. And there was none better uh, than Jim Cornette to, to get the heat, to tell the story, to, to get the point across. And, um, Kind of like Paul Heyman is doing for Roman Reigns today. That's that was what Jim Cornette was was there for and did uh, for Yokozuna back then. Of course, you had Mister Fuji, who was a an, an old time uh, hand who people knew and recognized. Fuji wasn't the greatest promo guy. He could get the point across, but when you needed somebody to really paint that picture. Yeah, it just made sense for for Jim Cornette to come along. So that that also helped uh, with our social interaction again. 
I love that Cornette was his manager or his spokesperson. But, you know, you also like Fuji. As far as Fuji, was he like his, really his manager, like on the road and stuff? Because I heard he would travel with him, make sure he was okay, sometimes do some stuff. I guess that was, I don't know, you would think that you might be doing for like an elderly person. You yes. know what I mean? Like yes. taking care of him in certain ways in the bathroom and stuff and make sure he was okay. It By Was that means. Fuji's kind of role? Uh, yeah, by all means, and everybody knew it, and everybody understood it. Nobody, nobody uh, made cracks about it. I, I, I think only only one person, but he was a guy who didn't know and wasn't on the crew. But but yeah, everybody understood that that's what it was. And back then, again, you know, it was due to the respect that uh, Yoko had earned. Not just there, but even prior to coming to WWE, he had earned respect, and, and the Samoan family always had uh, uh, a place in New York, and always had a place in Vince's heart. And, and so, Fuji was there and, and knew his role, and did he, he took care of Yoko where he needed to be taken care of. And again, that that big of a fella, you know, needed help getting around sometimes, although he never bitched. I never heard him bitch. Never heard Yoko's in a bitch once. Uh, but, you know, you needed a travel partner. You needed somebody who would drive you, take care of you, and uh, because it was getting to that point. So. It's interesting with him. He got a push so quickly. And that story in the documentary is great about how he originally was going to be part of the head shrinkers. Then they decided to put Rikishi with with sam instead with semu instead and obviously those two to me work way better as the head shrinkers the chemistry is much better even going back to Samoan swat team days at wcw it just makes more sense that those two are together with better chemistry and you put yoko by himself and and you know do certain things man boy does he get a push right away wins the 1993 royal rumble then defeats bret hart at, at wrestlemania wins the title obviously the, the hulk hogan finish <laughs> changes a little bit but at least you're feuding with hulk hogan for a few months so the you, you were you shocked at all? Like, wow, what a like, man, this guy's getting a push quicker than anyone I've ever seen. Jesus. No, no, I wasn't that shocked because once again, um, I always subconsciously and consciously was paying attention to, uh, especially when I would see guys I know go in there and and get a break. And uh, I knew Kurt Henning, and I was I was around Kurt Henning for maybe four or five months in Portland when I first went to Portland and, and Kurt was, was getting ready to leave, but he was there maybe, I don't know, my time frame sometimes uh, isn't always correct, but I knew Kurt fairly well. And when I saw Kurt come in and I heard uh, the gimmick they had for him and, and saw it, it, it fit Kurt because Kurt, was one of those natural smart asses and could do things um, effortlessly. He, I, I saw him in the gym He'd come in and just put three plates on one time and do six reps with 315. I'm like, holy Christ. It, no warm up, no nothing. It just, just, he could do it. And he was that freakishly strong, um, freakishly talented guy. So I would, I would watch that and I'd say, that makes sense because I'd seen him do it. In Oregon, I've seen him on the verge of greatness in Oregon. He was great in Oregon. Don't get me wrong, but then I would I would also pay attention to the uh, the backstage antics and shenanigans too, because Kurt was one of the most famous rivers in the business, and and he would come back and have somebody's 
uh, shoe in the toilet. You know, they come back from their their match and the shoe would be in the toilet. Just just to just to mess with them, man. Just for a rib. Uh, you know, so when I would see stuff like that, I'd say, no, nah, it fits because that's that's the environment they have there. When I saw Yoko there, you knew he was um, going to go to on to bigger and better things. You knew he had it. And uh, so it didn't shock me. Um, I was happy for him. And when, when they did the deal at WrestleMania, again, you know, Hogan was coming in for his last run. I, it, it made sense. I didn't know Hogan at that time. I'd met him one time prior, but I didn't know him. And I can only imagine what the madhouse was back then because this is the entertainment business and everybody's going to have uh, their, their teeth out and, and, and you gotta be on the lookout, man. It's, it's, you cannot be complacent. You can't just be happy to be there. If you're going to be a top guy in that environment, um, then you'd be better be ready to fight and fight for your spot. And not always physically, but sometimes, uh, you have to speak up and you have to have a better idea and believe in yourself. So, no, it, it, it wasn't that shocking to see that this guy who came from such a legacy as a Samoan dynasty w- was going to make it. Yeah, he, he, that, he was perfect for that spot. He was perfect for where he was. And I was uh, uh, not shocked at all. I was, I was very, very happy for him, actually. You like the finish of WrestleMania Nine with Hogan uh, winning, winning the title out of nowhere? <sighs> I, I'm not, I wasn't a big fan of that because I really thought, now wait a minute. But the, as soon, but once again, as soon as that happened, then my mind goes back to, oh man, okay, it's it's the same old, same old, and it's 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 that it it is what it is. It's the manipulation part of this business that nobody really wants to face, nobody wants to hear about, nobody wants to go through. But it's a reality, and it's in any business. It's in any business with with egos. It's in any business with with huge money involved, um, and any corporation. I mean, it it is a dog eat dog, shark infested world. And uh, some of us don't. I, man, I I didn't want to be anywhere near that. But I understood that if I wanted to be what I wanted to be, I had to do what I do that. And I I just didn't i didn't but you have to if you're going to to if you tell me you want to play with the big boys you want to get right in the fight you want to be uh, uh you want hunter spot or you want Shawn michael spot or you want austin spot or you want the rock spot or hogan spot well okay what are you going to do to get that what are you what do you really have to do what is the real path you have to take i'm not saying you have to be a complete jack off or asshole that's not what i'm saying but you have to play tough because these guys aren't going to just lay down and say, "Oh yeah, please come in and take my spot." It's not like that, you know. When I when I watched that part of the uh, documentary where Hogan or somebody asked uh, <laughs> asked, asked Bruce about yeah, Bruce, this, yeah. that was what it was. I'm sorry, I was trying to think who that was. Uh, they asked Bruce, and he just kind of went, oh. You know, and then I, then I, I could, I could feel it. But then when Hogan said it, he goes, "Oh well, hey, uh, we were talking this weekend, and Vince and I just decided." And I said this and that and the other and the, the other. And I went, "Anytime anybody says this and that and the other, instead of the actual events, you know, or I know that that whatever you, this, that, and the other entail, it's more like, hey, 
put the belt on me, then we'll go do the round, uh, about to leave for Europe or wherever they're going. Let's just do that that tour, come back, and uh, we'll drop it back. Okay. So in the way they dropped it back, obviously, with the flash camera and all that stuff. So, okay. You know, however, uh, he still got the belt back. He still got the title. And then, you know, he, he, he got the rub either way. And it, it made him that much of a bigger star working with Hogan, no doubt. But but that's the way business was done, and I think it's it's still done to an extent uh, that way. It's it sure changed because uh, because of who's running things now, obviously. But but because they're they're aware of every trick in the book, and they'll make it happen the way they want to make it happen. So you just have to be a better manipulator manipulator than they are, and that's that's going to be a hard task. Uh, to accomplish, in my opinion, but uh, when 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 they did the angle the way they did it with Brett, um, I, I I I immediately went, eh, okay, because you I I knew it back then. I knew what was going on back then. I knew that these guys weren't always playing nice, and it's not the way business is done. You you sometimes when we say whatever it takes. It's not always nice. And when they talk about being it's it's lonely at the top, well, that's because you can't trust everybody. You can't trust anybody. You gotta you gotta only trust yourself. And those guys who did it may not have been the most popular guys in the world, but they were among the most successful. And if you look at the guys like Hogan, Shawn Michaels, Hunter, and Austin did a pretty good job of uh keeping his head, but he also knew when to say no, and he also knew when to put his foot down. And Yoko, I think, did that in his case on, at, at times. Uh, but but at, also at times, I think he was agreeable. And he he was he had his BSK crew with Savio and Taker and uh, Rikishi and, and, and the BSK crew. So, you know, he had people watching out for him. He was watching out for himself. He wasn't, he wasn't a dummy by any stretch of the imagination. He was uh, – uh, I think he was happy to be there, happy to be the champion, and happy to work these angles. And hell, he had a great run with Taker too. So, I, I, I think obviously he made his name. People still talk about him. People still remember him. And um, I just wish he would have uh, done what was really needed, so he'd still be around. As far as the Hogan thing, it's interesting. I always go back and forth on like if I liked it or not. But the way the crowd responds when he wins, I mean, they go nuts when he wins. So it was one of one of those things. Where it's like okay, for that night, it's a great pop. But I think about it as like it's almost better for for Yoko because not only he becomes two time champion, he gets to quote unquote kill Hulkamania. And at the end of the night, I mean, he just that well, not really the end of the night, but the end of that that match because Brett wins, and that's the end of the night with with Lawler. But the that match, he brings Hogan then gives him the bonsai after he wins then he covers him like, uh, with the the uh, the, the uh, flag and stuff so right. I, mean, I, th I think for him it almost was better off because he becomes two-time champion he kills Hulkamania king of the ring and then he goes off and holds the title for many many months but one of those things it's like at the time it's like yeah weird booking they never done that before it's kind of weird Hogan's a champion but it almost worked out better for him no doubt no doubt and I, I would agree with that too because there was a pop there was a great pop and and you left the people happy it was surprise unpredictable and uh and and you're right he, he got a seat back after they went overseas and and did what they did came back and did what they did and and 100 right you know not a whole lot of people um 
got to beat Hulk Hogan, and, and Yokozuna did it. So I, I would agree with that, no doubt. They did have the flash, but he does technically beat him with the leg drop. So, you yeah. know what I mean? He, he does at least get a move in before that. So it's like he beat Hogan, not not really the photographers. I, I do like that. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. But but that that just it, how you do it is everything. And, and they may not remember anything he did in the match, but they remember the ending. And, and uh, uh, Hogan knows that and any top guy knows that, too. So they're going to that, that's just uh, part of the part of the business, part of the game. He ends up being a tag team champion with Owen Hart, ends Hulkamania, a two-time world champion, like we said. But an interesting thing that I don't know if you'll remember this or not, because I did not recall this at all. It was a dark match, a part of WWF In Your House 5 Seasons Beatings in Hershey, Pennsylvania. It is Barry Horowitz, Hakushi, Billy and Bart Gunn defeating the Body Donnas, Skip and Zip, Isaac Yankum, and Yokozuna. One of those things where it's like I never heard of this match or never thought about it. I know it's a dark match, so it's hard to remember. But I just like, wow, you teamed with Yokozuna uh, in, in December of 1995. Well, that was, was if that was in Hershey, mm -hmm. that was... Um, that wasn't a pay-per-view, though, was it? You guys were the dark match of a pay-per-view. It was uh, In Your House 5, Seasons Beatings, which was uh, Brett and Bulldog in the main event. Oh, okay, because I, I remember we got the haircut in, in Hershey, Pennsylvania, and then we went on last. Oh, yeah, we went on last. Is, uh, they always do that match. for the in, huh? in Your House. In Your House, for some reason, always does that. Dark matches start but then they put dark matches after for coliseum video and stuff in front of the crowd yeah then it might have been i mean i honestly good i try to forget that i try to block out a lot of stuff in my wwe days but you know sometimes i come back but yeah i don't i honestly god <laughs> I, I don't uh that was kind of a painful time for me i love that it's you and glenn are together there and throwing yoko and, and candido it's an oh, interesting wow. Interesting foursome, for sure. You see, that that goes back to what I was saying earlier about meeting the girl back in the bar five years later because you just don't know who you're going to come across and who you're going to be around and who you're going to be in business with or or uh, remember. So, yeah, well, that was that was kind of interesting. I'm sure Glenn will remember that, too. I'll have to call him and remind him. Yes. Yeah. Was it Hershey? What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you were Isaac Yankin. We teamed with Yoko. Yeah. Oh, that'd be – yeah, that, that's a great memory. I'm sure he'll remember that one, too. I was – Trying to forget Zip, and he's trying to remember Isaac, no yeah. doubt. And somehow losing to Barry Horowitz, the smoking guns at Hakushi. Thought you guys would get the win there. Damn. Well, yeah, you know, was, uh, once again, I think that uh, we were just trying to survive and get it out of the Hershey Arena by that night, or by that time. I know I was. Was Yoko a big? Party. I know you said he was a drinker a little bit, Yoko, and the, I mean, with Taker and the shots and stuff, but was he like a big partier and stuff, or not really? Just more of like a, obviously, more of, you know, just a fun loving, jovial guy. Well, I, I, I think there were times when, uh, of course, all of us would go out on occasion if, if we were in town and found an establishment who happened to have uh, what we were looking for, which would either be libations or, um, nice looking women, whatever it might have been, you know, I, and, and during that time, yeah, everybody was going out. Sometimes I, once again, I, I, for whatever reason, just, um, 
would go out on occasion, but most of the time I'd, I'd stay in my room so I wouldn't get in any trouble. I wasn't looking for trouble. I, I was uh, putting myself under double secret probation just just to make sure that, you know, I could feel I could see the arrows in the slings going on in the air and back and forth. And I, I wanted to just stay out of that mess, but uh, Yoko, I think of course he and Taker would, would go out a lot in, the, in BSK, you know? So um, on occasions, yeah, he, he, he enjoyed going out, not just sitting in the room and having a good time, seeing what was happening in, in different towns. And, and that's what I would do sometimes. So I'd go to a town like, uh, uh, Boston had the the landing strip, I think, uh, a place called the landing strip, and and it was always always fun, always interesting. I would go there occasionally, but not all the time. But most of the boys would, you know. If you, you just got done working, traveling all day, you want to wind down, have have a good time, have a drink or two or three or four or five. Uh, that's what you did, and I'm sure Yoko did. I, I went out with him a couple times uh, while we were there, so. You know, some guys did more than others, obviously. Were you shocked to hear when he passed away? Was that, or were you almost thinking, it's sad to say, but it's almost thinking you, 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 you know, you weren't as shocked for it? No, I was, I was shocked. I, I remember uh, hearing about it. Um, I don't remember where it was at right now, actually, but I do remember hearing he was overseas uh, in England, which they cover. And then we got the word that he had passed away, and it was a shock. Because uh, I didn't know, I, I hadn't talked to him in a while, hadn't seen him in, in a while. I didn't really know what his status was. Didn't know where he, what he was doing. But yeah, it was it was a shock. It certainly was. As far as the legacy of Yokozuna, what, what, what how would you describe it? Or what, what would you say if somebody said, "Hey, what, what you know, what's the, what's the stamp he leaves behind her? What's his legacy?" Well, one of the greatest big men in the business um there, there's a lot of great big men there's andre i definitely put him up there with andre uh the, the guys that could not only move but make an impact when they came in some guys were just big and some guys couldn't use their uh size or or height or whatever to their advantage they, they could be big guys and just go out and punch and kick and be one dimensional, but Yoko uh, could could actually again he could move before he got so heavy. He could move, and he was a pleasure to work with. He was a professional. He was that guy who who looked vicious and looked like a monster, looked like a killer. And when he got in the ring, uh, he could have couldn't have been anything farther from that. He was he was a guy who who knew what the business was about. And uh, I think his legacy is certainly going to hold true that he was one of the the best uh, big men in the business at, at the time he was in. What do you think about him as a, a Samoan? Is that one of the things that people are gonna, almost going to forget because of the gimmick of Yokozuna, that he's a part of that legacy? Or, or is that that just like kayfabe people forget that he's definitely a part of the Samoan dynasty legacy? Oh, I think I think certainly people will always link him with the Samoan dynasty. Always, always, always. Because even when he was uh, Yoko, they they still gave him his Samoan heritage. Uh, I don't ever think they ever called him Japanese. I do believe they called him Samoan uh, 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 sumo, 
wrestler. So I don't, I don't, yeah, I think that'll always be with him. And I think uh, when, when these other icon documentaries or legacy documentaries go down the road, when they, when they profile guys like Roman Reigns and again, the rock and again, Mikey and wild Samoans, Yoko will always be in there. And uh, I think that's one of the things, especially for historians and, and wrestling fans who care and uh, which I know there's still some out there who really love wrestling and, and care enough to, to find out about it. Those those fans will always uh, know and, and remind be reminded that, that he was part of the Samoan dynasty, no doubt. And if anybody hasn't seen it, definitely check it out on the WWE Network. The icons, Yokozuna, I feel like uh, they always do the production value and the documentaries very, very well on the network. It's like the only reason I've kept the network is because of those documentaries. No the Undertaker documentary, uh, the one they just did on AJ Styles. I mean, it's like probably the only reason I have it. Yeah, no doubt. And, and uh, it is an interesting look. Uh, behind the scenes of, of all the guys. You know, I wish, and sometimes I do wish, and I'm glad, glad they didn't. I wish they would have done that when I was growing up as a fan. But at the same time, I'm glad they didn't because it still kept some mystery in it for me. And um, when, when I learned about it later, it was it was even that more fascinating. And uh, But I, I think that, yeah, the, the Icon series and all their documentaries are 24-7, uh, or when they follow the guys from from wherever to through WrestleMania, their their adventures that through that weekend, it's it's a cool thing to watch, man. It's a cool thing to aspire to be if you really want to be in this business to see how the guys you admire did it, and then to see what they go through. And a lot of it seems glamorous, but a lot of it really isn't. And there is a lot of hard work behind it. There's a lot more to it than what you really see on camera. You just get a glimpse of it. And um, uh, there, there's a lot more to it than, than that. And, but, but they do a really good job of telling a great story. And, and they do give you a peek. But it's just a peek. For sure. I think that's a great stopping point for this week. And we can get into some plugs. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Two Man Power Trip. You can follow Dr. Tom at Dr. Tom Pritchard. You can check the JPWA out and Dr. Tom on ProWrestlingTees.com. A couple of great stores over there. Go to Patreon and check out the JPWA. Also, go to Patreon, check out the new TMPT Empire. We got some stuff uh, coming down the pike. We got some stuff coming up with Dr. Tom as well. We're going to do a roundtable. Uh, legend discussion we'll we'll talk about that date coming up very very soon i think that that'll be a, a lot of fun and also check out jpwa's website jp wrestling academy.com dr tom you got anything else besides this awesome book a pro wrestling curriculum advice suggestions and stories to help the aspiring pro get to the next level yeah, you can get that book on Amazon.com. Just type in Dr. Tom's book in the subject line and it'll come up. Also, if you want a personally signed autograph book, you can go to my uh, PayPal, which is drtompritchard at AOL.com. And I'll be glad to send you a personally signed autograph copy of that very book for $25. Also, do we have Candido's book out there by any chance? Is it anywhere near you? Where the heck did I put that book? I know where mine is. It's right behind me here, too. I have yes. to. Hold on one okay. second. Well, I've got mine, too. So here we go. Hold on. No, we've got candy. Yep, I got it right here. Look at that. Yes. 
Yes, yes, that is exactly right. I was going to say, let's give uh, Young John a plug, too. This is Chris Candido, uh, again, one of the greatest young stars ever to come to the business, died way too young, Chris Candido. Uh, that's on Amazon.com, too. So check it out. A lot of cool pictures in here, a lot of cool stories in here. And uh, that's about it, man. I've got some stuff coming up, but I think they're sold out. Nice. I actually uh... – just interviewed Johnny Candido about this book. Great stuff. I didn't realize, I knew he lived in New Jersey. I didn't realize he was that close to me. And I didn't realize we were the same exact age either. So we were able to connect a little bit. I was like, wow. wow. For some reason I thought he was older. I don't know why, but um, really, really great guy. Good stuff. And he literally yeah. does some work down the street for me, like literally right down the street. I was like, oh my God. He's like, you're familiar? I'm like, yes. And then when he mailed me the book, he goes, dude, he goes, I literally work like two minutes away. I was like, holy crap, that's uh, crazy. I'm just uh, telling you. A weird you know, connection. Yeah, yeah. That's what I mean, man. You never know who you're going to run into and how it's going to wind up. Crazy. And so, I said, so, I someday, to, someday you may meet some people on the side of the road. Yeah, you may meet some people on the side of the road when you're at your car. <laughs> and 10 years later, you see yeah. them. Ooh, man. So that's true. Anyway, cool. Also, also want to mention this. Go to Lucy.co for those of you wanting to get off of nicotine. Use the promo code Dr. Tom. And of course, for Blue Chew, uh, free an order. Obviously, it's free, but the shipping is just five dollars. Go to bluechew.com and the promo code again is Dr. Tom. So a lot of great stuff going on with the taking you to school crew here. Absolutely love it. Dr. Tom, anything else you want to throw out there? Well, like you said, I just hear that uh, we're trying to build this empire bigger and better as we go. So hopefully by the summertime, there's going to be a lot of exciting things happening, huh? Yes, I'm hoping so. Let's hope so. Yeah, very cool. I'd like to thank everybody for joining us this week. We'll see you right back here next week on Take You to School with Dr. Tom Pritchard. See you next week, folks. This has been a John Paz Power Trip production in conjunction with the two-man power trip of wrestling. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at two-man power trip. You can check us out on Facebook. You can subscribe on YouTube. You can go to patreon.com slash TMPT Empire to become a patron. And also check out the website tmptempire.com and buy a shirt at prowrestlingtees.com. Two-man power trip where the power lies brother.